It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Joining me on the show today is David J.P. Fisher. David is a sales expert, professional keynote speaker, and best-selling author of the Networking in the 21st Century series of books, which we'll talk about. He's also the founder of Hyperconnected Selling. David, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks for having me here, Andy. So, all right, you... you like to be go by the name D Fish. Now, doesn't Derek Fisher take offense at that? Uh, he can't because I had it first. <laughs> and if he wants to go into a uh, a, a legal dispute, I've got the uh, proof. I, I played in a band for a long time and uh, would actually rap every once in a while. So my bandmates jokingly called me D Fish, MC D Fish. So that was uh, a long time ago. Long and time I said, ago. Okay. We've got we've got the albums, so we can prove it. And well, uh, just the fact you call them albums mean that you had them a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. So, there you go. All right. Well, welcome to Accelerate. So take a minute, introduce yourself. Maybe tell us how you got your start in sales. Sure. Uh, I actually got my start in sales the uh, the old school way. Uh, I started selling knives in people's kitchens. Cutco. Uh, Cutco. You got it. Um, Lots of people on the show started on Cutco. That, that's that's because because we're everywhere, you know. And, well, uh, hey, it's good good basic training, and and uh, obviously people find something they're passionate about. Yeah, you know what? It's a great product, and it is just amazing training. In fact, I, I paid my way through Northwestern University selling knives, and in fact, after I graduated, uh, ran their Chicago office for about five years, and so that was kind of my not only start in sales, but also in sales training and sales coaching and sales management. I uh, had an opportunity to train almost fifteen hundred young, uh, enthusiastic college kids to go sell cutlery in people's homes. And uh, it really was an, an amazing way to get started in the sales world because you learn, as I tell people, if you can, if you can sit across uh, the tail from Mr. and Mrs. Jones and sell them $1,000 worth of knives, you can, sell, you can sell just about anything. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, but first of all, as you said, it is good product. I mean, I've got, <laughs> I've got Cutco knives and like the Cutco kitchen scissors, which can cut through, I'm sure the chair I'm sitting on. Um, they can cut through pennies. Cut so through pennies. Much I know that's else. the ad, but yeah, yeah. they're uh, yeah indestructible. Yeah, good product. Yeah, there and and really that was one of the first real lessons I learned. There is as long as you have a, a good product that you can stand behind, um, it, it that goes a long way to doing most of the work for for you when you're in sales. And and so that's how I got my got my start and uh, continued to to you know run that office for. Uh, for most of my twenties, and then transitioned into running my own company, doing coaching, training, and uh, mentoring for almost over ten years now, and it's been it's been a wild ride, and I've loved every minute of it. All right, well, you're still very young, if that's the case. If I do my math correctly, so um, you've written a series of books about networking in the twenty first century, and yep. so what was the inspiration for that? Well, the inspiration actually came from the, the way that I built my business, which was through networking. Uh, you know, I kind of, uh, like many freelancers, hung a shingle and then sat down at my desk and was like, well, okay, how am I going to get people to, you know, hire me? And uh, the one thing I knew how to do was go out and meet people. So I 
started going to networking events and joining chambers of commerce and, and really just started building relationships. And I realized that there was a lot of skills that I had developed in my sales career that I kind of took for granted. And uh, it also kind of put some strategy in place that was always doing a lot of learning and, and, and training on my own and realized that you know, I, again, we, we're, we've been around for over 10 years and I've never really marketed or advertised. It was always through relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had people asking me to help them specifically with networking. I was, I was starting to do keynotes and, and workshops specifically on building relationships. And I was like, I got to start writing some of this stuff down. And so a couple of years ago, uh, that's what I did. I was like, I, I, I'm going to write my first real book. And uh, that was networking in the 21st century, why your network sucks and what to do about it. And uh, that was kind of like the main book. And then people were still asking me kind of for specific uh, ideas or tactics or tools that really were relevant for their industry or their group. So then we have one for uh, millennials and for people who work within corporations, one for just on LinkedIn. And then, you know, one of the more recent ones was specifically for sales professionals. So that's kind of how that, that, that all came about. Very cool. So your subtitle in part, why your network sucks. So why does it suck? Well, quite simply because humans aren't designed to be networking machines. Uh, it's really interesting networking as a topic. Whenever I tell people that I, I speak and, and write and talk about networking, almost everybody goes networking. Oh, and there's just this like exhale, this sigh. And it's either because they don't like it or because they don't like it, but they know they should be doing it. Or they just find the whole process frustrating. And, and the reality is, is human beings are not designed to know thousands of people. We're designed to know a very small group of people and know them really well. But the, the science also shows that networking is most effective when we do have a, a broader reach um, and we have what are called weak connections. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But all so, right. <laughs> so just so, yeah, why don't you jump the gun on this? So, so. I think one of the other issues, and you raised this, and I think this is what you see most frequently in in sales reps, is is this trade off they're making. You mm-hmm. know, is networking worth it? Right? Because I got a choice. I can go bang out some calls, and that's where my incentives lie. Yep. Or I can network. So you make the point in your book that salespeople don't really understand networking. Right. And I actually think that's a, a false dichotomy that most salespeople create in their head, where it's either I'm going to do something that's going to get me sales, right? And help me get that commission check, hit my quota, do all those great things right now. Or I'm going to go and network it, which is nebulous and probably a waste of time. And so, of course, they're not going to invest any energy, time, effort, attention into networking. And then, of course, they're going to have a horrible network. And then, of course, it's not going to be useful. And it's self-fulfilling. Um, one of the things that I, I talk to a lot of kind of experienced salespeople about uh, is the fact that most of them get their business through their relationships, right? They're, they've you know, got gotten um, very involved in their industry. They've gotten to know their prospects and their customers really well. You look at that veteran in the sales team, they do things so much more easily than that new person who's just banging out phone calls. And I think there always has to be a balance. I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody, oh no, all you have to do is network and you'll be successful because that's not true. You do have to put the effort in. You have to, you know, do the outbound calls. You have to go, you know, 
knock on some doors metaphorically to make things happen right now. But if you can keep investing in your future, keep planting those seeds, the the benefits and the the payback is going to far outweigh the effort in the long term. Yeah, I mean, you again make the point in your book that that you know you describe the linear sales process as sort of the old fashioned sales process that. You know, networking in that context was good if it produced prospects. But when people have to sort of look at it from an investment standpoint, they just really don't have the patience, I guess. I, I think you're right. It's part of it's just we don't uh, have the patience, or rather, it's not as obvious. Uh, you know, one thing that I talk a lot about in, in the book, and, and actually, a lot of the work I do is just this idea that the sales world has changed, right? How people buy has changed, and that's the internet. Uh, having an impact, that social media having an impact. There is no longer this um, linear, very obvious path to sales. I mean, when I, we talked about my start when I was selling Cutco knives, and this is almost 20 years ago, um, you could literally just sit there and make phone calls and you'd, we'd work through referrals and all that kind of good stuff. But we, we knew, we knew that, Hey, if I make X number of phone calls, I'll talk to Y number of people. I'll set up Z number of appointments and I'll get a, you know, a certain percentage of sales from that. And that's great for a, a linear, simple world. But, you know, I, I think that these days for most salespeople, we don't, we live in a world of complexity. And so if we keep striving for this past that doesn't exist anymore, we're going to fail and we're going to um, be very frustrated versus um, realizing that, yeah, you do have to understand that networking for prospects is great, but it's also for just partnerships and opportunities and information and finding ways that you can provide value to your prospects. It is much more complex. And, and human beings, we don't always like complexity, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that that's not how the world works. So that's kind of the point that I, I'm trying to make to salespeople that you don't have to give up the, the simple activities that feel good, but if you just do that, you're going to eventually fail. Figure out some ways to add in some of these other networking activities that are, are going to, again, pl- help you plant seeds, help you find opportunities in the long term. Well, and you used you know, several words you're talking about it's that said, look, networking isn't just about finding prospects, even if through what will eventually come to these weak connections we talk about. But it's, it's in a complex sale. You have a diverse number of stakeholders that uh, with different perspectives. So networking is a way to help you engage with them, find the resources to help them educate themselves about their product, their, their solutions that they need, their problems, and how you might be the solution for it. You're right on the money. It's Sometimes networking is just knowing who uh, all of the people who are involved in the sales process are at a certain prospect. Um, or in the buying uh, process, yeah. Or in the, yeah, in the, exactly. You know, who, how do you develop champions? I mean, one of the things that, uh, and there's a lot of great material out there in the world now about how to get better in sales, how to manage the complex sales process or the long sales process or, you know, X, Y, and Z, how to do all these different things. But what it really comes down to is how do you develop the relationships? Right, that are going to help you be successful, no matter what your particular sales process is. As you said, there's a lot of stakeholders, right? So, how do you develop relationships that get you to that internal champion or that help you meet somebody who might actually have a disproportionately large impact or influence on the sale, even though they're not directly engaged in it? There's there's a lot of business intelligence that can be gained by knowing people. 
And instead of fighting that, I think we should harness it and use it to our advantage. Okay, so let's go with the network definition, right? Do you have a definition of networking? Because I think that really speaks to what we're talking about here. I do, I do. And uh, I, I figured you might uh, actually ask me So you about have the book that. open to that page, yes. So, yes, uh, in the first book on page 19, uh, no, because I always get at least part of this wrong. Um, networking is building a web of relationships with others for mutual support in finding business solutions. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Couldn't have said it better yourself, right? I, I Right? But... You know, the idea, a couple of the ideas that uh, I have with that definition, and, and by the way, I don't think that's the end-all, be-all definition. I just think it's a good working definition for most professionals, especially for most sales professionals. It's the idea of, of developing relationships with people. And sometimes I think salespeople, in our very linear way, we, we kind of have this tendency to go, oh, is this person going to help me right here and right now? And if not, then I'm not going to pay any attention to them. And I think that's a mistake we often make, right? Mm -hmm. It's the idea of somebody at the networking event, you know, you're talking to them and they're scanning the room for somebody better to talk to, um, <laughs> which we've all... Happens we've all, all the time. Yeah. And what's really interesting is we, we scan the room thinking, oh, is there a better prospect I should be talking to? Not realizing that the person that we are talking to may not be a, a prospect uh, in the normal sense, but, you know, hey, their, their husband is, you know, at company XYZ and would be a great prospect, right? It's, it's a much more, again, complex world than we think. But one of the biggest things I look at in that definition is just this idea of networking as a tool to help everybody be successful. Uh, right. I really think that a rising tide raises all ships, right? So we, we hear in sales a lot, this idea of building value. And I love it because nobody ever says what value is, right? You just, well, you just I, have to I, I that. ask that question all the time in interviews. So it's interesting. Right. And the answers you get. Yeah. And, and one of the things for me that I, I think is important is just this idea of building value is giving somebody information that helps them accomplish something that they're trying to accomplish, right? Uh, again, most salespeople, if they're doing it right, I think, like being in sales because they're trying to help other people succeed. And so it's just taking that idea and going, okay, if I have this network of people, it's not just what is in it for me, it's how do I give to the collective, right? How do I put energy out there? I often say that networking, when done right, it's like this big ball of energy. And the more you can put into that big ball, the more you're going to get back. You don't know where it's going to come from or how, but it will come to you. It's networking karma. And again, in this human, linear- human, human nature. Yeah. And, and, and I think we get tripped up, especially in the sales world, because we do like those, that linear, hey, if I do A, then I get B, then C happens. And the reality is it could be much more convoluted, but that doesn't make it any less powerful. Um, you know, I, I look at most people, uh, or I have this conversation with many people and I go, tell me about the significant things that have happened in your life, whether that's professionally or personally, and look to see if somebody helped, uh, create that. You know, if there was an introduction to a spouse or if there was a friend suggesting you to a job that, you know, helped you change careers and it, and it, that's more often than not the case. So, I think when we're, we're looking at using networking to help in our professional world, we're just looking to get that, that serendipitous happenstance to happen more frequently and with more regularity and a little more intentionally. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's very similar. If, you know, obviously, you've read The Go-Giver by mm-hmm. Bob Berg. I mean, it, it builds on the whole process. You, you know, give to get. Um, exactly. And, you know, in those instances, that give to get, I mean, that, that I talk about human nature is, you know, based on, on people, books people have written on the subject, like uh, Cialdini with his book Influence, is this idea of reciprocity sort of built into us as human beings. You know, much as, as you talked about, you know, the aversion to networking sort of built into us <laughs> as human beings. Similarly, though, you know, reciprocating with people that have given us something is, you know, sort of almost exists at a DNA level in us. Exactly. And I mean, they've, it's really interesting seeing kind of the, the science, the, you know, behavioral economics and, you know, all the neuroscience behind this, where yes, we are actually wired that when somebody helps us, we want to help them back. Um, you know, and so this is really just a matter of, of again, harnessing these things that are happening in human nature and just being more intentional with them. And I think a big part of that too, uh, and this uh, goes a long way to making people feel more comfortable with networking, is that it's not just one way. Go-Giver is a great example, and I've loved Bob's stuff for years. Um, This this idea of, again, helping other people and and being okay with accepting their help in return, right? I mean, because we are trying to help everybody's business life, including our own. Um, But looking at it not as this leech being a leech on other people and hoping I can get something from them, but really trying to, it sounds kind of hokey, but I really think networking is collaborative. It's like, how do we all get farther along on the paths that we want to be on? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Well, and so part of that comes with being, as you you talk about the intentionality, um, which, you know, as you talk about building relational capital, if you read, you know, Ed Wallace's books about this. So, so um, you have to have something to give, right? So that requires intentionality. Absolutely, I, I think one of the hangups that we often have, though, is that we think that having something to give, we we have to have this amazing introduction to the right you know prospect that that person needs to talk to, or we have to have this brilliant idea. And those things are great if you have them. Uh, I love, for example, something that I've always tried to do is you start conversations between people in my network, right? You know, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. person A, person B, you guys should be talking. And that's great when that happens. But I think we get hung up thinking that's all that we have to provide. Um, I actually think that you can provide value sometimes just in a conversation. It might be just an insight or um Sometimes it might even just be encouragement, right? There's people that I that I've have in my network that um, have been in my network for years, and every time we interact, isn't always a hey, here's a, a business uh, idea or something that you should act upon. Sometimes it's hey, how are things going at the office? Oh, they're you know they're that the, the person shares that they're frustrated with something. Oh, hey, let me let me tell you about this thing that happened when I was really ticked off at my boss or here, let me listen to you vent for 15 minutes because that's, that's what human beings do, right? We, we engage socially with each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, 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 you know, I was talking with somebody, he's younger, he's kind of in that quote unquote millennial generation. And he was asking me about how do I, uh, provide value for somebody who's been in the business world for 20 or 30 years already. Like he was trying to kind of manage up to some of his, his, uh, uh, his managers. And I was like, well, 
part of the value you have is in your insight. You're a digital native uh, and they're not, you know, so even just your insights and your perspective has value. Right. And the, the biggest thing I caution most people to to th- or I guess I would say caution them against is feeling that they have to have this really amazing value added proposition that they can share before they go out and network. Which is not the case, right? I mean, so it's, it's, it's being present. I couldn't. Perfect. That's exactly. So yeah, I mean, a great question for people that are listening. I I believe and you know, David, may share some of yours is when you're networking is, is, uh, and this actually, you know, one of my, uh, previous guests, um, gentleman, Jason Troy, yeah, mentioned this as a question he uses is, is, um, yeah, you know, we meet somebody in a you know business setting or social setting. It's it's not a prospect. It's a networking opportunity. Is you know what are you working on right now that's really important to you? And then his follow up question is, well, what could I do to help you? I love it. I right? love Isn't it. Isn't that a perfect way to when you're sitting at a network meeting, the networking opportunity? Person's not a prospect. So you're not pitching them on what you do. <laughs> that's not what a networking is about. Right. Is what are you working on right now that's really important to you? Hmm, that's really interesting. What could I do to help you achieve your goals? I would even say, even if that person was a prospect, that's a great question. Well, to it ask. is a great prospect. A great question anyway. But but for somebody you're just meeting, it's it's suddenly it's about them. It, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that people get really freaked out with when they think of networking is what do I say? Right. What let's say you're going to a conference, you're going to a networking event, you're going to a holiday party. Uh, you know, what am I going to say? We're always so worried about being brilliant and interesting so that people will like us. And the most valuable thing I've ever found for meeting somebody new is the best way to be, and I've borrowed this from somebody, the best way to be interesting is to be interested. Right. Right. So, I've actually had people tell me, you're such a good conversationalist. And I said nothing. Exactly. <laughs> I just asked questions and got interested in them. And you meet lots of fascinating people. And to to bring this back to our point about finding opportunities and connecting with with possibilities, if you keep somebody talking for a while, you might actually find out, oh, wow, they actually know people that I would really like to know. Or wow, this person is a prospect or they know a prospect or, hey, they know somebody who's really involved in this buying decision. And, uh, you know, now they like me a little bit more. So maybe they'll feel comfortable introducing me. Well, so it's something maybe yeah. a little more one step removed. Because get back to this concept you talk about, the weak connections are the ones that are the most valuable over time. And I, other people I know alternatively call them loose connections. But, sure. you know, you think about sort of in the context of your second and third level connections on LinkedIn, is to your point is those are the ones that you know once they know something about you are more likely perhaps to refer somebody to you it, exactly I, and i think one of the the biggest things that we have as salespeople to understand um one of the the most I guess scarce resources people have these days is attention right mm-hmm. is time and this is a, a conversation I have with a lot of salespeople where, again, they want to go pound the phones, right? They, or whatever is the equivalent in their industry. And I go, hey, you can make as many calls as you want, but when was the last time you picked up your phone? And the answer is they don't because we're so busy. What happens if you actually have a conversation with somebody so that you can build some uh 
some trust, you can build some goodwill, and then asking for an introduction to that second or third level. I mean, that's the power, right? There's so many people I know that if I, I could reach out 20 times and send them 20 emails and they would never talk to me. But if I can, you know, be introduced through a friend, through somebody that they trust already, they're going to give me five minutes of their time. Because I know that's the exact same way with me. People try to sell me stuff all the time. They probably try to sell you. Getting through my email filters is pretty tough. But if, you know, one of my friend, if my friend uh, Ian Carswell called me up and said, hey, hey, D, you should uh, talk to this guy for five minutes. I think he can help your business. Guess who's getting five minutes of my time? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're really looking to do with, with those weak connections, for sure. Well, and this gets back now to, you know, behavior at, at networking meetings. And you give an example of asking, asking questions. Is I guarantee that if you spent your time meeting someone, asking you the question I gave, and you do some follow-up questions, uh, and there's some simple follow-up questions like, gosh, that's very interesting, tell me more about that, um, that even if you never said anything about yourself, that person's going to walk away thinking, what an interesting person I just talked to. Absolutely. And And they're going to remember that. And they're going to remember, because you will have said something about yourself at some point, but it's predominantly going to be them talking about themselves, but they're going to think that you're the most interesting person in the room. Exactly. And I would much rather have somebody then ask me about me than me trying to tell them about me. Right. I, I know that I've done a good job. And by the way, this isn't to manipulate people, right? I mean, but it's we're we're trying to create a relationship. We're trying to create right. that rapport, that bond. And I instead of me just saying, "Hey, you should be really interested in all of my books that I write and all the speaking I do and blah blah blah," if I can be interested in them, very naturally they'll be like, "Wait, tell me about you." Like you know, I think of it kind of like a like a first date. You know, uh, if if you were on a first date with somebody and just told them how fantastic you were, that that would not work at all. But if you spend the whole time going, "Hey, tell me about yourself. Tell me what makes you tick. What are you interested in? Why do you like those things?" It would be a very natural segue for them to go, "Wow, I really like you know traveling to these countries. What countries do you like traveling to?" It's the same in business. And, and that's what we're really trying to do is get that reciprocity, as you said, flowing as fast as possible. So you use the term social savvy. Um, and it's, it's sort of interesting. <laughs> as it was, in some respects, you might consider it a little bit old-fashioned. Um, but I, I think they're still very important, especially in, in face-to-face networking. Um, you talk about the importance of dress and grooming. Uh, body language, small talk, sense of humor, listening. So let's just you know quickly sort of run through those. So sure, I had, yeah. There's the sense I think that what you wear doesn't doesn't really matter, but it does because we're talking about perceptions. It, we're absolutely talking about perceptions, and I, I think what's really important to remember about any business relationship, right? We're talking about networking, professional networking, business. Every relationship starts as a human relationship. It's a relationship. And so if you think about the way you navigate the world and you navigate the social spaces that we're all in every day, whether it's going to get a cup of coffee, going to you know hang out with some friends um, at a restaurant, going shopping, whatever it is, we, we, we take ourselves out into the world and we interact with people. And so those human relationships uh, are going to impact our professional relationships. So things, you know, I talk about social savvy. I talk about, yeah, just the idea of, the way that I dress is going to impact how people see me, right? It's going to influence whether or not they trust me. I, I love talking to people who are like, oh, but I'm just so successful that it doesn't matter um, 
you know, how I dress, right? Okay. If you're Steve Jobs or was, or if you're Elon Musk, sure, you can get away with it, but that's about it, right? Most of us are going to be judged on how we come off. We're going to be judged on how we interact with people. Um, I mean, this is something that I remember talking to a very, um, a young sales person. He was, he had been doing very well, but he was struggling. And I was talking with him and I was like, Hey, you're kind of abrasive <laughs> just as a person. Um, you know, you kind of, you know, you don't listen to other people. You just, you know, your, your conversations, you're just pounding people with your opinion versus listening to theirs. And that's not a, Oh, they don't like how you're selling. That's, they don't like you as a person. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, so maybe if you work on your likability a little bit, you'll, you, you'll, you'll find some more success. And lo and behold, he, he really, to his credit, he, he worked hard. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be quiet a little bit more and not try to be as, as arrogant as he sometimes was. And people responded to that because again, I, I think that whether it's networking, whether it's a sales call, whatever it is, if you're not able to build that human relationship, people aren't going to want to do business with you, right? It's the old no like and trust idea. Exactly. Well, one of the things you bring up in that list of, of five attributes was small talk. And there was actually, I, I can't remember the source, but in the last month or so, there was an, an article I'd read about the importance of small talk in building relationships. You know, we tend to think that in sales, it all has to be right to the point, right? Right to business, don't waste the customer. I mean, there's training materials to talk about. Don't ask a personal question. Don't talk you know, anything except business with the prospect. And the research was fairly conclusive is that, yeah, if you're not doing a little bit of small talk, you're losing an opportunity. There's, there's actually great research on this. And of course I'm completely blanking on what they call it, but there's a, a term for that. The idea of how small talk lubricates the beginning of a conversation. Right. And I mean, even just imagine if you know, you came home at the end of the day and your significant other was there. And instead of saying, how was your day or, you know, something like that, you just jumped into something that was, you know, what time is, what time are we going to the Smith's house? You know, and that wouldn't go well. In fact, we know that doesn't go well because we've probably all done that when we're, we've been, you know, tired or Mm -hmm. frustrated and that never ends well. (laughs) (laughs) And, And in the same way, Somebody, especially if we don't know them or we don't know them well, we have to let the conversation warm up. And so it's, I, I, I've seen that same training material, the same stuff that says, you know, don't waste people's times. I'm the exact opposite. I, I would, I'll always start with something personal because I want to make sure that the foundation is there for communication. Again, whether we're networking at a networking event, whether we're having a networking cup of coffee, or I'm sitting in a sales presentation, right, with the the director of finance or the VP of marketing, whatever you, whoever you're trying to sell to, I still am going to try to connect on a personal level as a human, knowing that's going to make my business conversation that much more effective. So yeah, I think all these ideas of, uh, in the social savvy chapter, while very basic, they, they, they are, they're, they're foundational because they're the foundation, right? So you have to ha- take that into account just as much as saying the right script. So a question for you then becomes is, and last question here in this segment of the show is how do you network virtually? You take the, the same um, tools that we're talking about and go online with them. Uh, and what I mean by that is remember that all relationships, even worked ones through the, uh, the internet, right? Whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or blogs or whatever it might be. Um, we're still, there's still another human being 
uh, on the other side of this interaction. One of the things I, I talk about a lot in all my books is the idea that there's no, I don't think there's true online only networking. I think 21st century networking is actually the enmeshment of the online world and the offline world. So for me, for example, using uh, social media and networking, our conversation is a great example of it, right? I know you did some research before, uh, you know, our call today, but so did I. And I was able to find out, you know, all about Andy, uh, you know, from his LinkedIn profile and find out we both were history majors and where you went to school and all this kind of good stuff. And that makes this kind of offline interaction that much better. And then even moving beyond our conversation today, uh, as you know, we continue hopefully to build a relationship. There might be a time in, in two months or three months where something you post is relevant to me or vice versa. And then maybe we have another, uh, offline conversation where maybe we're both speaking at a conference together and that conversation will be that much more powerful because we've had this long train of just light touches right over time. That's really, I think where social media and, and virtual networking really has a ton of power and actually makes up for a lot of the, the challenges that we had uh, or we have with the fact that we're not wired uh, for networking per se. Okay, great. Now we move to the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one's a hypothetical scenario in which you, David, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have hit the skids and CEO wants to press the reset button and get things turned around, and, and uh, you're in charge of that. So what two steps would you take your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Uh, the first thing I would do, strangely enough, is examine all of our training material uh, and our basic processes, because I think that the human element's important, but you got to make sure that your, your process is good. And we talked about Cutco before Cutco training. I learned process is king. And then, uh, the, the next thing I would do is actually talk to as many people in our organization as possible, uh, depending on the size and definitely all my main players and ask them why they're there. Uh, and, and actually kind of have one of these conversations that we were talking about earlier where I, I'd ask a lot of questions and figure out what they were there for, what they were trying to accomplish professionally and personally, and make sure that they're in alignment with what we're trying to do with the organization. And if, if they are fantastic and if not find a way for them to exit. So we got people who are all pointed in the same direction. Okay. So find out their why. Find out their why. Exactly. Okay. All right. So now good answer. So I've got some uh, rapid fire questions I ask. You can give me one word answers or elaborate if you wish. So the first one is when you, David, are out selling your own services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? My po besides my stunning good looks. Besides, um, that's the time you brought them up today, I think. So yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I don't have those. So my, the, the biggest strength I feel that I've, I've brought to the table for years is my desire to really understand where the uh, prospect is coming from, to understand their perspective, and then connect what I have with solving whatever issue they have. And if I can't, being honest with that and instead trying to help them find another way to, to solve that problem. Okay. Who's your sales role model? Uh, I've got a lot of them, but, uh, I think, uh, one of my first and still probably most impactful sales role models, a guy named Marty Dimitrovich. Marty was, when I started out in Cutco selling knives as a young kid, he ran the Midwest for Cutco. He started out as, uh, one of a family of 10 kids in the 
the upper peninsula of Wisconsin mm -hmm. and uh, worked his way up to basically, I said, one of the top uh, executives in the company. Uh, but even at that point, had just an amazing amount of grit and perseverance. He actually, unfortunately, passed away due to pancreatic cancer, which he fought for eight years, which was amazing. Well, that's going to say um, for eight years. Usually yeah, you go out a year I mean, with pancreatic. But he, the reason, I, there's so many reasons why I respect him, but um, he had such an amazing ability to, to, to uh, again, be competitive and really work hard and just, you know, put the effort in, but at the same time being incredibly human, incredibly generous and warm. I, I've actually never seen an executive cry so many times, like at award ceremonies, hmm. because he was just so grateful for the people around himself. And that was, especially when I was young, just made a huge impact that you can go out and, and obviously, you know, really work hard to try to achieve your goals, but the, that it's really so important that you, you recognize the people around you and, and value uh, them and be grateful for what you have. Okay, excellent. All right, so um, besides your own books, what's one book, sales book or not, one book every salesperson should read? Uh, so it's actually a non-sales book. In fact, I'm gonna say two just because I'm gonna cheat. Uh, they're older books, there, uh, one's called The Four Agreements mm -hmm. uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz. One's right. called The Art of Possibility uh, by the Xanders. Um, both of these, they're, they're, I always tell salespeople when I recommend them to people that I'm coaching, for example, I'm like, they're, they can be a little, you know, uh, -oo -oo at times, <laughs> but um, I think every real, uh, truly successful salesperson I've ever met is just has a really good sense of themselves and who they are and just are emotionally and psychologically centered. And I think that these two books are really uh, valuable because they help develop those, that, that groundedness that allows you to put all of the, the skills and competencies of sales on top of them. Okay, excellent. Uh, last question then. So what music is on your playlist these days? Oh, I'm a musician and a DJ, so there's so much. But uh, the stuff that I'm really excited about right now is uh, there's a great brass band out of New York called Lucky Chops. They got their start in the subways of New York. And I mm -hmm. uh, recently saw them live because they're touring and they're amazing. But I uh, also love, um, I actually, I, I'm a big salsa dancer. So going through a lot of, of old salsa music like uh, Hector Laveau and Oscar De Leon and loving that stuff too. And there's some other hip hop in there. There's just everything. No, I like that. Very diverse. Very eclectic. Good. So I mean, do you do you do salsa dancing uh, regularly, like you know, performances or? I, I don't perform, but uh, I do still go dancing. In fact, uh, that is where I met my wife. We met on the, the salsa dance floor. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> Very, yeah, it worked. Uh, there we go. Networking. Through salsa exactly. dancing. Exactly. exactly. Okay, good. Well, David, uh, thanks for joining me today. Tell people how they can connect with you and find out more about what you do. Uh, easiest way, davidjpfisher.com. Uh, that's got my, my articles, all my resources, and ways to reach out to me. Of course, I'm on social media, uh, at dfishrockstar on Twitter, and uh slash imdfish on LinkedIn. Uh, I also run a podcast called Beer Beats and Business, which you can find at beerbeatsandbusiness.com. And then, of course, all of my books are available on this little site called Amazon. Just search Networking in the 21st Century, and you'll get all of it uh, available for your purchase.
Excellent. All right. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your daily routine to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, David J.P. Fisher, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.